Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the right leftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins. Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen, feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, Episode 17. I'm Connor Murphy, here with Grace Matthews in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Grace. Hi, Connor. And we're also here with our very first guest on the show, Sean Smith from Campbell River, B.C., Canada, who is here to talk about a subject we've discussed in the past, bullying. And we talked about media bullying, political bullying, and just bullying in general. So today... We're bringing Sean into the discussion. Welcome, Sean. How you doing? Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Hi, Sean. Hi, Grace. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. I, I'm excited because I've got coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's always exciting. Uh, Connor tells me you've known each other for a while. Yes, but... uh, Connor. Connor has been stalking. I mean, talking with me for a while. <laughs> Great. Can you tell our listeners a bit about who you are and what you do? I, uh, by profession, I'm a social media educator. So uh, I've been teaching about social media and both in a consulting and, and a strategist point of view for uh, almost a decade, almost as long as social media has been around. I actually was doing social media when it wasn't even called social media. It was still called the new media. Uh, but recently, over the last year or so, I've started to transition into the education space where I am now building a uh, an environment that will help teach parents, teachers, and teens more about using social media, both the good and the bad side, uh, so that everybody's kind of working on the same page. I discovered a little, you know, a couple of years ago that one of the biggest problems that we face in society today is how social media is misused. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we are not taking the time and effort to educate the generation uh, ahead of us or behind us rather, that is uh, currently using social media as as a, a second nature tool. Um, you know, we used to teach our kids how to not talk to strangers and how to be polite to people. And all that seems to go out the window when they go online. So really it's, it's about creating a, a better digital citizen. Well, today, I hope you don't mind if we sort of apply it to politics and how the adults <laughs> are behaving online and in the media. Um, when I think of bully, I think of someone filled with intense anger, a person that in all likelihood was a victim of bullying. However, when it comes to politics, does this hold true? Well, and this is you're you're very right. Uh, you know, politics uh, is is quite often about power and influence. And uh, when you take a look in the world of bullying, bullying is a transfer of power. Somebody who wants to have power over another individual. And if you see it in the schoolyard, it's always the the bigger kid trying to bring down the smaller kid, or in some cases, the smaller kid who has a way of intimidating the bigger kid. 
Uh, and it's a it's that transfer of power, that sense of uh, I have this power and this influence over this individual to make them to do what I want them to do, uh, regardless of the effect that it has then on them. So when you see it in the political space, it's really not that much different. Exactly. The need for power, does that come from hate and or anger? It does play a big part in it. Uh, you are taking a look. Uh, a lot of people, especially you know the people that are just you know bullies right out of the gate, come from an environment where they don't have any power. So if they're at home, they've got parents that kind of lord over them, and this is their way of of trying to gain back something that they don't have in their home environment. As they get older, they may find themselves in that same space where they're feeling powerless in certain positions. And the only way that they can feel power is to, to take that someplace else where they can exact some kind of revenge and get back on, on somebody who might, they, they feel is lesser than they are. Uh, in the in the political space, and especially within the political conversation, uh, in, both on and offline, you see that just about everywhere you go. It's it's almost impossible to avoid. Well, absolutely, and these are people that enjoy power. So, would you call, say, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump? Would you call them bullies? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's. They have a uh, a singular purpose and a singular mind uh, on on what they want to do and how they want to get there, and really nothing is going to stop them to to get to that position. Uh, if you're taking a look at somebody like Hillary Clinton, who has you know kind of been born and raised in the political space, uh, her her methodologies are much more politically oriented and driven. Whereas uh, somebody like Donald Trump is much more driven by uh, a more internal, more personal, more visceral stance where he has this narcissistic uh, demeanor about him that just simply needs to have the attention and needs to have the accolades. And he's not he has no compunction about stepping on people to get to that position. And when anybody speaks against him, he has to put them down. He, he doesn't have an argument for them that is a logical argument. So he feels the, the easiest way to do that is to belittle them and, and make them look bad towards the audience that does support him. Yeah, and a lot of people have suggested that um, that's kind of how people learn in Queens where he grew up. I mean, that is the attitude they have there. Well, and you know, you're, if you take a look at, at neighborhoods around the country, and it really doesn't matter what country you're, you're in, uh, in, in a city neighborhood, sometimes it's a, it's a matter of survival, be tough or be done. Uh, you know, Queens, Harlem, Brooklyn, they, they've all got their own culture, their own neighborhoods. Uh, and and survival in those neighborhoods is tantamount. You know, if you want to make it out alive, you better be able to stand up for yourself. Uh, and that isn't always easy when everybody in the neighborhood is trying to stand up for themselves. Uh, but it happens in smaller communities as well, where you you will have one or two people that are trying to mark their territory and take advantage of uh, of the little guy. Whether it be in business, whether it be in school, you're always going to run into that person who is insecure enough that they feel the only way to to exact what they want out of people is to bully them to the point of obstruction and distraction. Well, I've always seen bullying as learned behavior. 
It can be, and it most often is. Uh, if you take a look at a lot of the cases of bullying in schools, you'll find if you go back, you'll take a look and see that they are bully, being bullied someplace else. More often than not, it's within the home. And it might not be bullying directed at them. It might be bullying to, to somebody else in the family, be it a sibling or, or uh, you know, their, their mother or their spouse or what have you. Uh, you know, it's somewhere along the lines, they are seeing it and they are acting out a, a similar uh, attitude. At the same time, they could come from the best possible environment and still become a bully because they haven't had anybody say no to them. And this is the only way that they know how to react to it. Exactly. I've seen that. Do you think, I don't know how much you pay attention to the media in the U.S., but we have what we call the liberal media. <laughs> um, a lot of times they are what one might describe as bullies. Yeah, and again, you're, you're in a situation where their voice is being drowned out by another side, and this is their only way of actually being heard. Uh, you know, if if we had taken a look even five years ago, uh, organizations like Antifa or what have you weren't even on the radar because they didn't need to be right. heard. They right. were, you know, they they had the the influence. They were getting the support that they needed. Uh, you know, the the world was in their space, and we've. We seem to be on that pendulum where we're either going swinging far, far left or we're swinging far, far right. And that center portion where we tended to swing for the longest time is isn't there anymore. Uh, it, it's difficult to, to hold on to. And for those of us who do kind of swing around the center of, of, of the spectrum, uh, it, we can't really find ourselves supporting either side uh, and, and their efforts on the on the far left side. Uh, they have gone just as overboard as the far right side has. And uh, neither side thinks that they're doing the wrong thing. Exactly. And have we lost sight of where opinion stops and bullying begins? Oh, completely. Uh, and this is, again, this is kind of the 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 bad side of, of the social media space where everybody can have an opinion. And the fact of the matter is that you know, in in democratic countries, in first world countries where democracy reigns, uh, all of these countries have their uh, their constitutions or their rules and regulations in place that protect free speech. But what seems to have been missed is the the protection of free speech. That right to free speech does not mean you have the right to be an asshole. Uh, and exactly. it, that is what's being lost in the in the overall narrative. And nobody seems to be willing uh, or able to stand up and say, OK, look, you know what? I'm I'm willing to to allow you to have your peace. But there is a point where your peace crosses a line. And uh, that line is this. You, you really can't go to that far. You can't go into the anti-Semitic space. You can't go into the Nazi space. You can't go into we have to be nice to each other space uh, all the time. We have to be politically correct all the time. Sometimes an asshole is an asshole. Exactly. And a lot of times the definition of a bully might come from the victim 
You know, it's uh, it can be a matter of interpretation. Uh, you know, I I know that my wife is uh, is an elementary school principal, and and I teach uh, about this sort of subject in in schools, and we often end up hearing from parents that my child was being bullied. But then you take a look at the scenario, and you know what? No, your child wasn't being bullied. There is still such thing as good natured teasing. Uh, you know, and if a if a kid can't take a little bit of teasing in their life and you're trying to protect them from even that little bit of teasing, they're going to grow up to be the most sensitive person in the planet. And they're unable to take that that work that's going to happen out in, in the real world. There is such thing as sarcasm. <laughs> I know yes. because my, my wife and I have have a very sarcastic related relationship. Our children have grown up that way. Uh, and we find that our children sometimes get in trouble because they do have a rather sardonic wit that doesn't cross over well into a in a to a tween teen environment. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we just have these parents that go completely overboard without ever fully understanding what the true meaning of words like bullying and harassment mean. Sometimes kids are just being kids. You know, they are just kind of feeling their way around. They don't fully understand what it means to sexually harass somebody because nobody's ever taught them what the hell sexual harassment is. Uh, exactly. Nobody has, we tell them, don't be a bully but we've never actually spaced out what the parameters of being a bully is. Uh, you know, sometimes a kid telling another kid what to do is just the kid telling another kid what to do, not bullying, just dude, don't do that. Right. That's not exactly. bullying. Right. Dude, don't do that. And punching him in the face, that's bullying and assault. I get it. Earlier <laughs> this week, <laughs> We did an episode on unmasking and leaks as they pertain to the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. Is misuse of power a higher form of bullying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, in, a, in a military environment. I, I joined the Army when I was 17. Uh, and how much the military has changed over the years has a lot to do the way society has changed. Uh, and sometimes it's for the best and sometimes it's for the worst. Uh, my, my drill instructors had a lot of power over their recruits. Uh, some of it good and some of it bad. Some of them took that power and they were bullies with it. But at the same time, if we're out on the training range and I turn around with a rifle to say, hey, sergeant, my, my gun is jammed. And my sergeant comes flying across the range and clocks me one right in the kisser. That's got nothing to do with bullying. That's I'm protecting you from being shot by you, you dumbass. Right. Uh, you know, if if uh, if a sergeant is jumping all over you because you've done something in, in a combat training space, it's to get a point across to you that that's the wrong way to do it. You know, and nobody's going to be nice to you in combat. <laughs> the other guy's not going to go, Oh, I'm sorry. Am I hurting your feelings here? Let me just, let me just throw the bullet at you as opposed to shooting it at you. You know, it, the scenario, the context of, of where this power transfer is coming from has to be taken into consideration. So if uh, if a political person is trying to utilize their position and power to influence a political agenda, 
What's the reason for that agenda? Is that to help me achieve a goal that's for the greater good of society? Or is that to help me achieve a goal of giving me more power? Well, if the goal is to give you more power, then yeah, I'm sorry, that's bullying. Uh, if it's to create a better society and saying, you know, look, I'm going to push you down a little bit because you're not helping move us ahead uh, as as a people, as a society, as a, as as a living being group of human beings, then yeah, that's not bullying. That's get the f- out of my way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And when it comes to politics especially on social media, you can take some perfectly nice people and they have absolutely lost control. And you might say they can't see the forest for the trees. On my Twitter feed yesterday, I had a woman who posted 27 articles that were basically Trump hating. Right. The woman is generally nice if you keep from talking politics. If you talk (laughs) politics... She will she will disintegrate you. She turns into a nasty bully. Now, Trump cannot possibly be affecting her personally this much. How do you help people see sight? You know, that's that's probably one of the most difficult things to achieve in the in the social media space because the the biggest problem with with social media is there is this physical separation between you and the other party. Uh, I don't have to look at you in the eye. I don't have to see your facial reactions or the or the really visceral effect that I'm having on you through this conversation because I'm hiding behind a keyboard and a screen. Uh, you know, would those same people say those same things to your face? And would that person take that sort of, uh, of commentary and not react if you were face to face? I mean, you take a look at that video that's kind of going viral right now of the guy who's standing there with a Nazi armband and the, and the black fella just drops him. Well, you know, I could watch that a thousand times and enjoy it every single time uh, because that is a part of our society that is really just unacceptable. Uh, You know, that you would take fascism to a point where my grandfather and, and my ancestors fought hard to put an end to that symbolism uh, and you're bringing it in to the very space where we lived. Uh, it just, exactly. you know, that's unacceptable. But in this in this social space, you can take a perfectly intelligent, well-spoken, thoughtful person. And if you cross a line with them into something that they're passionate about from an opposite side, they're going to lose their minds. But where they would have, you know, kind of stepped back, walked away, gone into a different room to, you know, yell at the wall, they can do it right here at the keyboard and there's no feeling of any potential repercussions from it other than, you know, somebody might unfriend you. Right. Right. Well said in the United States, we have an implicit freedom of speech. The only exception is a threat of physical harm. Does this expose us to potentially more bullying than say you all have in Canada? And if so, why? 
Well, you know, again, if you're taking a look at the Constitution of the United States, the 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 freedom of speech is about as close to being written in stone as you possibly can. Uh, you know, it's one of the core pieces that makes up, you know, what America is. But at the same time, we're still coming back to that piece. It is a right to free speech, but it's not the right to be an asshole. Uh, you know, there is a there are amendments that say, you know, you can't take hate speech to this level. Uh, people simply look at it. I mean, I kind of take a look at it as the uh, you know, the Second Amendment with the right to bear arms. Yes, I you know, I think that if a person wants to own a rifle uh, and and they're trained and they know how to use it properly, by all means, they should own a rifle. Does that mean that you have the absolute God-given, no matter what, you can't take, you'll take it from my... No, it doesn't. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. You have to remember that this was written at a time when having a rifle meant survival, pure and simple survival. You needed it in order to survive the frontier. You needed it in order to survive the civil war that was uh, literally happening around you. It was a piece that was an absolute necessity for you to remain safe in the society. But that's because there were no real laws in place other than exactly. the laws of the king. You know, there and and this was at a time where if you wanted to put three shots down rain, it, range, it wasn't going to take you a minute and a half, <laughs> you know, you can't, you didn't have a, a weapon that could fire a hundred rounds in six seconds. Uh, you know, it was a different time in a different place. Um, but when it comes to the, the freedom of speech, this too was also written at a time when being able to say your piece without fear or threat of being incarcerated uh, and, and held at bayonet point, because you have spoken ill of the king, you know this was this was a different time. There was no social media. Print was relatively new. Uh, you know when you're looking at a time period where a, a very large majority of the population couldn't read what was being printed, it had to be read to them. Uh, you know, and this is now a, a, a different world where we can have video that says what we want to say, or we can get our word out to the globe in mere seconds by using social media tools. I mean, it's a different space and we have, we have to try and get our heads around the idea that we need to adjust to the times and not simply stick ourselves to, uh, to something that was written 250 years ago. Exactly. One more question. And I, I have to say that I like the fact that this is what you do and you're not squeamish, meaning no. you don't overreact to I, uh, what is opinion and what is bullying. But I still have to ask, if we clamp down harder on bullying, do we lose a certain authenticity that comes from frank conversation? Oh, I mean, yeah. Can we have frank conversation without being accused of having microaggressions. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, we are right into a space where the definition of the things that we do need to be better defined. Uh, when we talk about bullying, 
in in a in a larger conversation we should start that conversation by defining what bullying is so that a person doesn't come across and say well hang on you're bullying me i get this all the time uh you know i'm dealing with a uh an issue right now up here in canada with an organization called creep catchers uh, and these are, are self-appointed vigilantes who feel that they have every right to go out and accuse people of being pedophiles. I mean, just oh like the, the worst possible uh, description. And they videotape them, they entrap them, they videotape them. Some of these guys really are just sick. But some of these people are completely innocent and it yeah. doesn't really matter. In my eyes, you're a pedophile and that, that's it. But they don't even understand what a pedophile is. Mm -hmm. So how are you able to make an accusation like that? Because the parameters of the wording that we're using haven't been established from the outset. And even in some cases, even if they are established, you're, you're dealing with a, a, a section of society that is so black and white to being functionally illiterate that they they don't get it, you know, they, and they probably never will. Uh, and, and they often sit off on the fringes of society. This is their means of being heard. This is their means of, of wielding some form of power that makes them feel more important and, and uh, more participatory in society. So you know, we need to get to a position where the discussions that we have, for want of a better word, come with a set of rules. You know, we're going to have this discussion. We've started off our discussion saying we're going to be really frank about this. We're going to say things that are potentially not going to appeal to uh, a certain portion of the audience. But at the same time, these are just opinions. These are, this is my opinion. This is your opinion. It, I'm not saying to you, you need to think this way. I'm saying this is how I feel. This is what I am uh, this is my position on this particular subject. I happen to swing right down the middle ground, uh, you know, which which frustrates a lot of people. I'm a <laughs> I'm a conservative. I'm a conservative. I'm I'm literally a card carrying conservative, but I'm a fiscal conservative, and I'm a little bit more on the on the liberal side socially. Yeah. So I believe that we can support society, but fiscally be responsible about it. <laughs> Exactly. You know, That's pretty much uh, where I'm at. So. I, I believe that, uh, you know, people have every right to say their piece, regardless of the fact that I might not agree with it. But if you start reaching down the throat of people, telling them that they're they're wrong, that they're creepy, that they were probably beaten as children, that you know their their ancestors were were probably brother and sister. You know, when you start going down that space, it's like, well, you know what? I'm pretty much done with the five year old. You can go away now. I don't want you as part of this conversation because you have nothing of value to add to it. Uh, we can enter a conversation and have a. I could go into a conversation with a person who is a Black Lives Matter supporter and just let them go off on me. You know, go ahead, have have your say. Give me the whole white privilege piece as well. Uh, you know nothing about me, so I'm just going to take that with the grain of salt. However, if you do spend the time to get to know who I am and get to know my family history, get to know where I come from, and you still feel the necessity to say that I'm a, a self-privileged you know, white person who has no idea about what's going on in the world around me, I'm going to tell you to piss off because that's just ignorant. 
right. you you taken the time to learn who I am and you still feel like that, that's just ignorant. Um, you know, I and I am that person. I am I am the person that a lot of people within the, within the Black Lives Matter uh, infrastructure would look at and call me the self-entitled white privileged cracker. Yeah. You know, and we talk about that a lot. And, and it's like, well, OK, I'm, I'm sorry that I happen. Here's the Canadian in me. Uh, I, I'm sorry that I happen to have been <laughs> born to the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant uh, family that I was born into, that the fact that I speak English and I served in the military and and I, you know, I have a home that I've worked hard for and I've got a couple of white Anglo-Saxon kids. I'm sorry. That's not me growing up to be racist. That's me having been stuck with the genetic you know, cards that I was handed. Exactly. <laughs> you know? and, and, uh, and for someone to take it personally is just ridiculous. And, and we are in that space where we have, you know, people have become, this is the irony of it all, is that, uh, you know, the far right will say that the far left is too sensitive. They're a bunch of snowflakes. And I'm going, whoa, hang, hang on here. Are you freaking out because somebody's offended what you you think? Uh, does that not sit there and say that you're exactly the same thing, but just on the opposite side of the spectrum? I've offended you by my thoughts and opinions. Does that not? Or I guess you're just the alt-right snowflake. <laughs> you know? Let me melt your house a little bit there, son. Exactly. Uh, you know, so really, they're not that much different. Sean, tell us a little bit more about the project you have launching tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes, my my big day. Right now I'm sitting in my, my office chair and I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get out of it because my pucker factor's got me holding on to it real tight. <laughs> you know, this is this is a nervous adventure. Do I launch it and something happens or do I launch it and nothing happens? Ah! Uh, the digital hallway is designed to educate parents, teachers, and teens about social media and, and not just the bad side of it, which is more often than not what we end up seeing. Something happens in a school that it's related to social media. They bring in an expert who says social media is bad. You shouldn't do these things. And then six months later, the same thing happens. Uh, and that has a lot to do with the fact that we have not taken the time to, to actually educate our children uh, about social media in the same way that we've educated them about other things in our lives. The, the for instance that I give is if, if we want to allow our children to drive a car, we expect that they will take the time to learn how to drive the car. We put them through driving lessons. We observe them. We monitor their use. We restrict their use. Uh, we make sure that they are tested on it so that they understand the rules of the road. We familiarize them with the vehicle that they're about to drive so they're not sitting there trying to make a left-hand turn signal by turning on the wipers. Uh, you know, that we make all of that effort to ensure that we put them into this 2,000 pound hurtling piece of metal and they're safe with it. But we haven't done that with social media. We give them the smartphones and we say, here you go. Here's the keys to the car. Jump on the super highway and, uh, you know, I hope you don't get hurt. Uh, and, and what I'm trying to do with the digital hallway is I'm trying to give them the tools that help them drive that car, that help them really understand how it works, how to use it safely, but how to use it effectively, how to get from point A to point B in your life. 
in in the best possible way you can. At the same time, understanding that if you screw it up, here are the consequences. Uh, you know, you're going to lose your car. You're going to significantly hurt somebody and ruin their lives because you weren't paying attention. Uh, and overall, just kind of create a better digital citizen. But the only way that we can actually do that is by making sure that all the other players are working off the same playbook. So the education program that I've got is I've got a channel specifically for parents so that parents can better understand where teens are in the online space and the tools that they're using. Because, I mean, we basically, we hand them a hand, or hand grenade and not know anything about the hand grenade ourselves and say, here, go play with this. Well, of course they're going to pull the pin and let go of the spoon to see what happens. Uh, so it's helping parents better understand that space. But at the same time, under getting teachers to to understand that social media can be this absolutely amazing education tool and that smartphones are are not an evil distraction in the classroom that they can actually be a really useful piece of the education system uh, creating content I, I think one of the things that um, that we're doing wrong right now is we are saying to our teachers you should be teaching our children this <laughs> But who's teaching the teachers? Right. You know, we we you know we send our teachers to university and they learn science and math and and history and and you know all the things that we want our children to know. But they're not taught social media. They're not taught the digital space. They have to figure out this stuff on their own. I'm kind of hoping to develop content specifically for them so that they can teach it. But again, a lot of the onus comes back to the parent. The teacher's not there to teach them the moral center of their lives. They're, they're not there to say what's right and wrong. They're there to teach them how to use the tools, but it's the parent's job to be there to help bring the, the, what is right and wrong, what is the moral center, what is the thing that you need to do and treating somebody the way that you would want to be treated. That's a parent's responsibility. Uh, and I'm hoping that with the digital hallway, we kind of bring everybody together and say, okay, here's your responsibility. Here's your responsibility. Now, here's how those responsibilities can work together to create a solid digital citizen in the 21st century. Great stuff. Excellent. Excellent stuff. What, what's the website? Uh, you can see the website at the digital digitalhallway.ca. Uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash the digital hallway. Uh, we've got Twitter and Instagram and all the other social things as well. But those are my two big ones. Um, we also have uh, a parent's channel and a teacher's channel within the digital hallway environment uh, that uh, I'm I'm hoping to be the monetized side of it. So if you want to be part of the parents group, you, you contact me and I've got a Patreon account set up. So you donate to help me create more content. Otherwise, I have to go out and get a real job. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sean Smith of the Digital Hallway, joining us uh, today and discussing bullying. Wishing you all the best on the launch tomorrow, Sean, and please promise to come visit us again. Anytime. Uh, you know, I don't know if anybody's noticed, but man, I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. Well, I, I think Grace can agree that we should have Sean on the show again. I absolutely agree, but we don't always agree. But life's <laughs> a journey, and we're all in this together. Thanks for listening. Godspeed, Sean. Godspeed, Connor. And Godspeed to all of our friends out there. Godspeed.
Thanks for listening. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the rightleftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.